Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I see the fun. I see the fun. The Diary of Jack Kirkman podcast. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast episode 202. Oh, I am not fucking prepared today. I am oh, my voice. I shouldn't even be doing this trying to listen. I lost the range. Are you guys sad? You know how I used to be able to do. I can do it if I so when I do that, I'm pushing and doing it wrong. So when I do it correctly, that's why I lose it. So been pushing my voice on tour, um, but also using it correctly. It's just, listen, you get a fucking certain age. You can't do five nights in a row of shows with no physical rest in between. Um, so I'm glad the rest of my tours, some are only four nights, some are only three. I got to be honest. I'm going to probably do something about these meet and greets. They're fucking killing me. I, I don't know what I, the whole point is to rest my voice. I wanted to do them before the show real quick. I pictured it totally differently. Then we moved it to after the show. And now I'm like, the same shit's happening. Where I'm using my voice for an hour. Like, imagine you sprain your ankle. Like, performing is like spraining my ankle. And then you jump on it for an hour after instead of icing it. Like, these meet and greets is like me jumping on my... I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into it. But I was going to have a whole planned episode. But I'm just thinking I'm going to talk about my tour. Although maybe I shouldn't because I have a live episode coming up in Toronto. Um, I am in studio... In New York City with my dear friend Alex, who I just met. He has a beautiful studio. His podcast network is Showbriz Studios. I just found out my friend Andy Kindler has a podcast. He doesn't fucking promote it. It's called Thought Spiral. So you can go, go listen to that if you don't like this today. All right, so listen. I, um, I met a lot of people. I met Mike. I think you're the guy that writes haikus. You said you'd sent me one recently. I have it here about uh, gaining weight. Uh, his haiku based on me is this, this scale is broken, but I went to Pilates. Try watermelon. All right. So everybody go buy my necklaces at Bobble Bar, B-A-U-B-L-E dot, no, B-A-U-B-L-E bar dot com. And then search for Jen Kirkman. And you will find there, I'm loving seeing all the different designs that people decide to do. Like, there's so many different color combinations and metals and whatever. So take a picture of yourself wearing it, send it to me and hashtag it JK Bobble, B-A-U-B-L-E, because I don't always check my app messages, but I check my hashtags. If you're coming to see me on tour, take a picture of the tickets or yourself or your cat. Just tweet about it to me. Tell me the city you're going to be in and hashtag it JK Tour 2017. And I will check those hashtags this week. I retweet you. You know what I'm saying. The whole the venue loves it. They can't believe it. You're so good on social media. So, okay. Oh, God. So what's happening? So, first of all, I don't... Look, I'm... Okay. Let's just get some fucking gratitude out of the way. 
I'm grateful that what I do for a living is touring. I have other things, but I can't bet on them. So when the other things happen, I'm like, that's awesome. But, but if I look at my year and I go, I need to make this much money this year, my job is touring. That's my job. The way that your job is going to the, whatever you do, the bank and robbing it. But my job is touring. It used to be running on Chelsea lately. Now it's touring. Okay. So that being said, it's a fucking job. If I lose my voice, I didn't have a job. I don't give a fuck what city I'm in. I'm sorry to tell you. I've been to every city I'm touring in now is like the seventh time I've been there. I don't want, like, it's not even that I want to, but oh, I can't. And I have to get in the mindset of work. I literally don't want to do things when I'm in that city. Like I was in Philly and I went from the train station to my hotel and I was like, look at this, how adorable Philly is getting with the, and it's, and it's my favorite kinds of cities. D.C., Philly. I don't know why I'm so hard on Boston. I can't bring myself to love it as much. I guess just because I'm from there. I don't know. But it's like the the cobblestone streets, the historical things. But fun new restaurant. I was going to say bistro. Nobody says that. Wine bar. You know, it's just I like it. I like it. But I'm like happy I'm in it. Just the same way with like I stay at the same hotel chain all the time. So I get an automatic upgrade to a suite for free when I check in. I'm not in the room too long, but I like for the minutes I'm in it, I like it. And that's just how I feel about the cities I go to. It's like every city has something great to offer. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain to people. Like I get so irrationally angry inside when I do press and people are like, did you have time to see the city? Like you're implying what you think I want to do. You're implying what you think is fun in the leading question where you have sympathy in your voice. But did you see the, I don't want to see the city. I don't want to try to be rude. I want to come do my job. A dream job I've dreamt of since I started doing this. When will people know about me? Will they ever come see me? Now they are. That's what I like to do. Do you guys listen to Howard Stern? He says he used to just sit and stare at the wall before the show. Like, I have to save. I do a fucking hour, 15 minute show. I have to save the energy for that. I'm working out new material. My mind has to be sharp. Like, I'll give you an example. Boston. Okay. I did the show. Exhausted after. Get back to my room. Now I've got to wash my face, do all this. Semi-pack to leave the next day. So I'm back in the hotel room. So I do the show. Then I do the meet and greet. And that was a different scene because I had friends and family. So I said about my friends and family. Um, my sister came to stay with me in, in my suite. Um, she had a pull-out bed. And she got to finally see, not that she didn't believe me, but what it looks like. She was like, oh, this is exhausting. And then I changed my flight so that instead of having to get up at 6 a.m., I got up at 8. Or I got up, I left at 8. And I went to New York. So it's like, okay. So then I need to get... Like, I don't know what these people think, like, I don't require sleep or that it's somehow fun to not sleep and then travel and then physically get on stage and use your voice for a living. Like, you got to sleep. I'm fucking 43. When people, oh, stay up all night. What are you, a goddamn idiot? Like, no, I'm staying up all night. I'm going to imagine if I canceled a show and I did once because I had a kidney infection. People were pissed at me. I'm like, yeah, so I got to stay healthy. And there's no staying healthy if I'm out partying and it doesn't feel good. Okay. I'm not just sitting at a desk where I can slump down and no one sees me. So I get back to my room. Now I'm like, I got to take all my 
voice steaming and all my little like supplements I take for the voice. And then I got to brush my teeth and wash my face. Now it's 1230 at night. I have to be awake. That's if I want to try to eat a little breakfast and like just not run out the goddamn door. I have to be awake at seven. So now I already know if I fall asleep this second, which I can't because I'm standing up with a toothbrush in my hand, I'm going to only get six and a half hours sleep. That's not enough for me because you see every night I've been getting four to six. So after a week, when you look back on the week and you've only had 24 hours of sleep when you're supposed to have had, when you put it in those, I have my little calculator here. Let's say I sleep five hours a night. Five times seven is 35. Eight hours a night is 56. So 56 minus 35. I know you, that's 21 hours of sleep I've lost in a week. Do you understand? Then I'm, I'm exerting myself more than when I do at home when I'm just writing. So everyone, leave me alone. So, okay. So then I get to New York, you know, the plane lands. Let's just take you through so that you can stop asking me these fucked questions. I don't know why I'm speaking Yiddish. I'm not even Jewish, but I feel that way today. I don't feel Jewish today. I feel like speaking in fucking Yiddish. Okay, so I land. Now, New York's different because I've been there for two days. I'll be there for two whole days. So these aren't good examples. Um, so let me give you a different example. I'll take you from Philly to D.C. Okay, so I leave New York as late as possible because I'd like to be in New York every second I can. But I'm working on stuff. So, so in between being on, so I have to promote every city every day on social media, on all five platforms. <clears throat> I have to promote the VIP meet and greets. I have to check social media and get all the compliments and write back thank you and put those all together because I use them to advertise other shows. Then I have to go over the sales with my people for each city. Then I have to, when I get to each venue, since I don't have a tour manager, everything is already set up on the back end with my manager's assistant, but I have to get there and be like, are the stools here? Is the mic here that I need? Is the, what's backstage? Like what time I do all that. Okay. So I have to get, I'm at the show an hour and 45 minutes before you guys are. So there's no like, where'd you go to dinner? There's no fucking dinner. It's five, five o'clock. I have carrots backstage. I have room service. There's no going to dinner. Goodbye. So, um, like this wonderful place in Minneapolis, um, this vegan place, and I'll find the name later and I'll advertise them, but they wanted to make me dinner. I'm like, I can't come in for dinner. And also I don't want to, like not to be rude, but I want to be resting. It doesn't feel rested to go sit in a restaurant. So I said, if you want to deliver it back to the hotel, you know, even backstage, I don't want to eat a bunch of food and then perform. It's not good for the voice. So I just deliver it to my hotel room in the middle of the day and I eat like a big dinner between three and four. And then that's, so I do my work. Then I write my email blast. Oh shit. I forgot to do that this week. Then I do all the stuff that I have to do. Also, I'm writing a script. Then I have to advertise my necklace line. Like I'm not complaining. I'm saying this is what I do all day. So when you ask me if I went to the fucking leaf museum or whatever, and act, you seem sad that I'm not there. I'm like, I'm a one woman entrepreneur and I work five days a week, just like you guys. So or six or seven sometimes mostly for me. So when I'm not on stage, I'm at work because I have another job and I love what I do. I designed my life this way. So if when I want to go on a vacation, I will, I'll be like, Oh, I was just in Minneapolis. And I didn't get a chance to go to the guitar themed taco place, but I mean, I'll take a trip there someday. <clears throat> but at the same time, when you're living your dream, you're not leaving a city sad because you didn't see the Prince museum. Although I really do want to go to that. Um, so the blanket answer to every journalist, no, I didn't get to see anything. 
And why would you think I did if you know that tonight I have a show in Houston and tomorrow I have one in Dallas? Like, what, where, 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 where would you suggest I find that time? So, okay, so the Philly, I get to Philly at like 2.45. Then I get a lift. I hire a lift. I get to the hotel. Now, now imagine the psychic drain of getting in four lifts a day. One to the venue, one home from the venue, one from the train station to the hotel. And then the next day, the hotel to the venue, the hotel to the airport or train, then from airport and train to hotel of the new city, then to and from the gig. Do you understand? I had four a day of men with their fucking just stop talking to me. Do you understand? I was asked where I'm from. What am I doing? Headphones on one of them going, you smell good. I go, no, I don't. I didn't even know what to say. I go, I have my headphones on. It was like seven in the morning. I go, oh, I don't know. I'm not wearing perfume, which is true. He goes, well, what is it? You smell good. I go, I don't know. And I'm being really like, fuck off. And we're driving. And he goes, I smelled you the minute you came out and hand me the suitcase. I go, uh-huh. And I just want to make him uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to tell him off because now we're confrontational. Now that's some energy, an energy he might enjoy. So I just say nothing. Let him sit in the silence and remember what he just said to someone. Maybe he hears it in his voice. I smelled you the minute I saw. So I wrote a review on Lyft. And they're like, we promise we won't match you with him again. I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking live there. So of course he won't. B, I'm talking about the whole culture of these men who drive these cars. It's mostly they're terrible drivers. Terrible. I was thinking about the stereotype. Oh, we'll get into it. So then you have got that psychic drain of like your shitty car. Someone telling me that. And then me just trying not to vomit in the backseat because it's the driving is so bad. Then I get to the hotel and I've just traveled. Do you know how when you travel, you get on a plane, you get on a train and then you get to the hotel. You're like, oh, I just traveled. Now imagine you have to go do a show two hours later. Are you going to be like, let's go to the Heritage Museum in this spare two hours. I don't need to shower, put on makeup, eat or just sit down for a minute. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Then I get to the hotel. It's 3.30. I order some room service. I take a shower. I have hot tea. I check my email. I do all my stuff. Room service comes. I get dressed, put on makeup. Now it's 5.30. Now I leave for the venue. And then I go to bed at 12.30 and then I'm out the next day at 7. So unless you're clinically insane, you will stop asking me if I got a chance to see the city. Unless you don't understand what your dream came true is, you will stop acting like it's sad that I didn't go to the fucking snow cone museum in Houston. I'm telling you people what I love doing, even though I don't sound like it right now is coming to see your fucking smiling faces in that crowd and entertaining you. Stop with these dumb questions. You think you're being original? What do you want an advertise? What am I? The, the chamber of commerce? What do you want me to do an ad for Houston or Dallas or wherever I'm fucking going? Like people, I didn't see your city. Sorry, but I can talk about, people in the city because I'm going to meet them after the show and I can talk about what the audience was like, which I think is indicative of, of a city. You know, some cities I'm like, oh, don't want to go there. They're big drinkers. Some cities I'm like, oh, they don't laugh loud. They're like, I get a sense of the city from whatever. Don't act, don't act like I'm. This episode is brought to us by my favorite advertiser, Talkspace.com, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. That's right. Just go to Talkspace.com slash Jen. One in and Jen, please, or I'm going to need extra therapy sessions to deal with how much that annoys me. Now, a lot of my listeners are loving Talkspace. A lot of you guys, you know, you can't get to therapy on your lunch break. 
you know, therapy is exactly an hour when you get a commute. Some people, they don't want anyone to know they go to therapy. It's easier to keep private on the app. Some people travel a lot. Some people are in the armed forces. Talk space is therapy for how we live today, okay? It's not, it's still utterly qualified people. Each, every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. So you're going to match with your perfect therapist. They're not going to just give you someone and be like, talk to Tony. You, you might not like Tony. You might not vibe with him. Therapy teaches you about relationships. I don't mean just romantic, but it teaches you how to learn what's best for you. So to show your support for this podcast, I want you to use code Jen, and you'll also get $30 off your first month. That's Jen when you go to Talkspace.com slash Jen. You need to take care of yourselves. There are children running around on scooters and grocery stores. There's a madman in the White House, say, some say, not to get political. Or you love who's in the White House and you're mad that you can't talk to any of your friends about it. So it's easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you pick based on your preferences for as little as $32 a week. You can send them texts, audio, and video messages. You can even do a live video chat. These therapists are licensed. They go through rigorous screening. They have thousands of hours of supervised professional training. So you are out of excuses. Talkspace.com slash Jen. Doing something wrong by not visiting someplace in your city and then talking it up. Like I'm not just stop shaming me. Okay. Anyway, I know I sound angry. I'm not. So I'm in an undisclosed location in New York city for three days. So I decided, um, and so many people gave me beautiful things. I think Lola is your name. You gave me, she gave me a bag of matchbooks because, you know, I was talking about how I need matches on this podcast and, and it was beautiful. They're from, restaurants all over America that may be closed now is a beautiful gift. Now, I don't encourage gift giving to me because I do leave things in the hotel. I left my favorite um, ankle height rain boots in a hotel room because I just, my bag, I don't know how I pack and I keep the same amount of things in it and then it's just harder and harder to pack. So I don't want to take things home and I don't want any more stuff, but something like the matches, that was perfect. But I don't need things. I, I literally, I'm telling you guys, I'm not, I'm thanking those who gave me a gift, but I'm, I'm not saying that like, so please start giving me gifts. Um, okay. So yeah. So then, okay. So this is my thing with hotels. You must offer, you know, you don't have to like tell everybody, but if someone asks you and you're a four-star hotel, can I ship something with you? There's a FedEx down the street. It opens at 10 tomorrow. That's great, cunt. I leave at 5 a.m. What I asked you is, can I ship something with you? There's a Fe- Okay, we're not getting anywhere with the FedEx. So I go, can I talk to a manager? I don't say cunt. I'm saying it to you guys. I go, hey, uh, I want to send some stuff back to myself because I'm traveling. Do you guys have like, if I brought some stuff down, do you have like a box? And then I could give you my credit card number. You could ship it to FedEx and charge it to my room. I've done it in a few places. Um, actually, ironically, we mentioned Andy Killer at the top of the episode. <laughs> uh, I think it was two years ago. We were both in Toronto and um, I was shipping stuff back to myself because I'd gone clothes shopping <laughs> and I wanted to wear the new stuff and I was shipping my old things back home. But I'd been traveling for like 10 days. It was like I'd had other cities before Toronto. And he was like, what are you doing? What, what is she doing? And I was at the front desk and they were giving me boxes. He's like, who even does that? But it's totally a thing people do. So 
this is the conundrum I found myself in in a hotel in New York. I was like, and you would think that this chain of hotels I was staying that their New York location would be like the most competent, but it's not. Even though, okay, this was what was so schizophrenic about it. I walk into the hotel and I said to the people, hey, I'm a tier four member, so I usually get a suite upgrade, <clears throat> not S-W-E, but S-U-I-T-E. But I totally understand if they're not available because it's New York City, meaning it's a busy place and people probably already bought rooms with suites that need to have more space when they're in town for business or whatever. And the guy behind the front desk goes, thank you for knowing that. I'm like, well, I'm not an idiot. He's like so many people that are tier four members that are eligible for an upgrade come in. And if we don't have one, they freak out. I'm like, oh, I would never do that. And so then the woman was like, we actually do have one available. I'm like, oh, awesome. And then we start talking and she's like, well, this room's better than that. I'm like, here's my weird thing. I don't base rooms on views. I don't need it high up. I just want space. I don't care if it faces a wall. I always shut the, the curtains, except at night in New York. Then I open them so I can sleep with the city lights kind of like lightening up my room. But I, in the day, shades are shut always. So we all start talking at the front desk and the guy is like, now, if someone wanted to give me a sandwich, then I might change my mind about the suite. And I'm like, a sandwich? And he means like palming money. And I go, okay, so let's say I came in here and I'm like, I have $1,000. Can you please hook me up with an upgrade even though you don't say any? He's like, say you have any. He's like, no, it doesn't need to be a thousand. He's like, I'll do stuff for 20 bucks. I'm like, really? I always thought it was insulting to tip someone and expect that they're going to take care of you in some way. I always thought like, you're basically saying to someone, I think you can be bought off, but maybe I'm being too oversensitive. I mean, maybe in life they can't be, but maybe at their job, they're like, yeah, I can. And he was saying, well, tips used to happen before a service because it stands for to ensure proper service. Um, Although, isn't, oh no, that's the drink. I was like, isn't insure spelled with an E? But that's insure. So anyway, he, um, but he was saying he wouldn't take, like if I, if you bought a suite and you showed up, it's not like they'd be like, oh, it's gone. And you'd be like, but I bought it. And they'd be like, well, someone wanted an upgrade who tipped us. Like, that's not what happens. But he's saying, I don't know what he's saying. They explained it. It's too boring to get into, but we were having fun. And I, I couldn't understand what he was saying for a minute. So I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. And I kept like acting out what I was saying so that he could understand. I'm like, okay, so I walk up to you and I do this. Are you saying you would do that? And everyone was laughing and we were having fun. And they were like, oh, this girl's a comedian. It was just me as a human. And they were like, you're so nice and so fun. And we've had such a shitty morning with bad customers. Um, we're going to send a bottle of wine to your room. We're going to give you two free breakfast things while you're here. And we're going to take $50 off your room. And your amenity kit is going to be rushed up, which is like a food tray and stuff that you get for being tier four. Well, these people were goddamn delights. Now, of course, I check in early. So by noon, I checked in at like 1130. By noon, the shift had shifted. So all that never happened. <laughs> so I was like, well, where is all the stuff I was promised? I mean, I can't even, I'm trying not to drink wine on tour, but I was getting stressed out. I was having a glass sometimes, but I was like, what? So it didn't happen. So I don't know if these were like mirages or angels, but I was having, I realized I didn't need my rain shoes anymore. So I went downstairs and I was like, 
if I gave you guys something, would you have a box and then you could prepare it for UPS and I could pay for it? And they're like, we don't do that. There's a UPS thing down the street. And I was like, I know, but I'm leaving in the morning. And they're like, meh. And I said, okay. So then I go back upstairs and I called them. No, no. I was, I called from my cell phone walking down the street pretending I didn't, you know, they don't know who I am that I'm actually staying in the hotel. And I go, I think I left something in my hotel room, but I don't live in New York. What happens now? And they go, oh, well, housekeeping will bring it to Lost and Found and then we'll ship it to you. I'm like, oh, so you can ship it to me. And they're like, yeah. So my research showed that they can't ship you something if you ask them to. But if you leave it in your room, they'll ship it to you and charge you. So I left a bunch of things in my room that I wanted them to ship for me that they wouldn't. And then I called the next day. I'm like, oh my God, I left all this stuff in a drawer. Does Lost and Found have it? They're like, yep. And now they're shipping it to me. Does that make any fucking sense? No. These are the things that I do on tours. I find ways to fuck with the system. So I don't know what I'm saying. Reading Hillary Clinton's book. It's fucking amazing. I don't know why. I guess because she called it what happened. She's always a little off with her messaging. It's not what happened, question mark. It's like, hey, here's what happened. But she's talking, here's what happened my whole goddamn life. Here's what happened in society. Not like, here's all the reasons I think I'm not at fault for losing the election, which, by the way, she mainly isn't. Like, we had a coup. I don't understand why people don't understand this. Like, Bernie would not have won. They wanted Trump president. They only wanted Bernie to sow chaos. That's why they didn't, whatever, I'm not going to answer it again. You'll see. Shit's coming. Do you think this Facebook stuff is just part of the right? You get out of your minds. I told you guys this was coming. You didn't believe me. It's coming. You're going to hear some shit about some people on the left that you don't want to know about. And you're going to hate it. But the only person not colluding with Russia was fucking Hillary Clinton. You're going to hate knowing that. It's going to blow your whole shit open. But you don't have to believe me because it's going to happen. And you'll see it. And you'll be like, Jen told us this since May of 2016. And I'll be like, I'm great. And no one will care. So anyway, hang on. But in her book, and I didn't bring it with me because I'm an idiot. She talks about, oh, wait, I think I have it on my phone. Oh, did I delete it? I'm just going to read this to you. This is to all the the Bernie bros who told me that he's more of a feminist than her. Um, What? Okay, so her book is fascinating, and it's actually really fun. She seems so fucking fun to tour with. And I worked with someone recently who um, worked at, at the White House when she was there and was friends with the Secret Service, and they were like, she's so fun. And it's so weird because she doesn't, I mean, come on, I seem, she didn't seem that fun because she's so studied and careful. But she was just saying like, you know, they basically lived on that plane and at a certain point they had the press stop flying separately. And so the press would be on the plane and she's like, people in the press fell in love with each other and there'd be hookups. And she's like, I'd play matchmaker. I'm like, what? And then she said like on night flights, like you bust out the wine and beer and there'd be dancing. Um, It was like a soul plane up in here. It sounded like it sounded so fun to be part of her team and like, you know, lots of eating and all the food. The only thing I don't like is that she's not a vegetarian. I feel like every presidential candidate should be a vegetarian. Like at this point, the environment is so bad. And we know that meat 
is a big contributing factor. And I just don't think you can be a leader of a free world of the free world without being environmentally con, con, conscientious. Um, you know, like Al Gore's vegetarian, he should bump it up to vegan because he's like Mr. Environment. Um, all right, where are these? Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. But anyway, she was talking about like, you know, she doesn't want to talk about being a woman in politics. Just like, oh my God, I did the best. <laughs> I did the best morning show the other day in DC for no reason. I'm like, why am I doing this? Because they wanted to have me on Sunday. My show was Sunday night. By the way, I'm super disappointed in the Howard Theater. I'm really sorry to my audience. Um, I don't have much control over the venues. I don't assume that they're not going to put on the air conditioning or have beverage service. Like it doesn't dawn on me to tell them to do that because they're a venue. And even if I did, they wouldn't listen. But I guess the Howard Theater didn't turn on its AC and my audience was sweating. And so was I. And they didn't have table service. The whole point is you buy a table and then they have menus and they didn't have dinner that night and they didn't have drinks. Now they did when Michael Che was playing there, but you know, why, why treat female comics um, as well as him? So, uh, and maybe he sold more tickets than me, but I still sold like more than 400. So that's, you need to have not make people go to the bar and then be short staffed on bartenders. So I will never play there again. I was really disappointed because it's a historical theater, you know, you've got your uh, Count Basie, your Ella Fitzgerald, your Billie Holiday, um, your Duke Ellington, everyone played there in the day. And I wanted to be part of that with my jazz, my jazzy lyrics, my jazzy comedy. And so, but you know, sometimes you just have to recognize it as a tourist and not think that you should play there. And so um, I'm disappointed in the Highline Ballroom. I won't play there ever again. The girl that worked there, didn't know what a pre-show playlist was. I gave her my iPod. I go, did I tell you guys? Or I've just been telling everybody. No, I didn't. I couldn't have. I didn't do a pod. I hand her my iPod. I go, so this is my pre-show playlist. Now everyone's warned before I come that Jen's going to hand you an iPod with pre-show music and with her walk-on song. And she and her opening act have a certain way they do things. Or I have a different opening act in every city. Um, Oh, thanks to Val Kappa, Julia Rossi, Alison Castillo, Paris Sachet. I'm forgetting someone. I'm forgetting someone. Uh, Alejandro Morales. These are all my opening acts this week. They're all very funny. I hope you find them and enjoy their work. Um, so, oh, also, actually, if you go on my Twitter and you look at one of my lists. So I have a Twitter list called Tor. Let's see what it's called. D, 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 D. Called Tor 2017. And I've put all my opening acts in there, all the ones that have Twitter accounts. Um, and I, so I basically followed all my opening acts and I followed all of the places I played. So if you want to find someone that performed, just go to my tour 2017 list. And that way you can like tweet at people that performed. So I know I'm so organized. So um, hang on a minute. I have to respond to an idiot. I know parenting is hard work. I had parents. And they never would have let me ride a scooter through a grocery store wreaking havoc. It isn't wreaking havoc. So... 
if you think being an adult who is in control of keeping their young boy's scooter at home is hard, perhaps you need a parenting book. You fucking morons. Okay, I'm going to get to this tweet about scooters in a minute. I, I cannot with people. How, who the fuck would let their kid ride a scooter through a grocery store, specifically a Whole Foods in New York City, whipping down the aisles? It shouldn't be allowed by the store. He's banging into people. He could slip on the water and fall, you know, the wet floor. He could knock down a display. Imagine an elderly woman coming around a corner. Like, it's not safe, you fucking idiots. And if you think people go, parenting's hard. Really? It's so hard you can't. So you're the parent. You drive the car to the grocery store or however you get to the store in New York City. You can't see your kid leave the scooter at home. You're not in control that much of your child. Then you shouldn't be a parent. You take the scooter. You go, you can't have it if, if you're going to bring it to the store. I bought you a scooter, not for grocery stores. And then you, like, maybe teach them about why. Like, sweetie, I think you're a great kid. And I know that you wouldn't want to hit an old lady. Or someone could run into you and you could break your arm. Then you don't get to play guitar all month or or break your leg and then no more scooter. We just don't do that, sweetie. Now, we live in New York City and it's a small shared space of a city and we all sacrifice things. And then you teach your kid about being a goddamn human. I tweeted after a kid almost ran over me with his scooter. There's no excuse for riding a scooter in a grocery store. And this guy wrote to me, that's a great premise for a book. If you're open to learning, parenting is hard work. Adopt a friend's kid for 30 days next summer with no help. Also, I wrote a book about this. In a New York Times bestseller. (laughs) About how I don't want kids. Nor parents... coming at me with their bullshit. So I tweet, I don't think a child should ride a scooter in New York City in a Whole Foods. And somebody wrote to me, if you're open to learning, parenting is hard work. Adopt a friend's kid for 30 days next summer. I also work. Fuck you. And this guy goes, adopt a friend's kid for 30 days with no help. Yeah, I still wouldn't let the kid ride a fucking scooter. I could adopt all the children of Earth. And none of them would under my watch ride a fucking scooter in a New York City grocery store. Why am I so angry? Because I'm exhausted. So anyway, was it the girl at the Highland Ballroom didn't know what a pre-show playlist was. I handed her my iPod. I go, here's my pre-show playlist. She goes, like you'll be on stage with it? I go, nope, just handing it to you and you'll plug it in and Pre-show music. She goes, like, cue to cue on stage? I go, huh? No, no, no. It's not on my show. So, like, pre-show music. She goes, you mean house music? I go, sure. Yes. House music. Pre-show, before the show, P. 
people, I, I literally had to act it out. I go, as people walk in, they'll hear these songs playing for one hour. So from seven to eight, when doors are open, they'll hear this music. And so will I backstage. I'll get to hear my music. And they gave up halfway through and started playing techno is what I heard. They didn't have lights on the stage. I didn't notice till I got out on stage. I never thought I had to tell people to put lights on a fucking stage. I go, is there lights? Is this a real venue? They, they did nothing. They gave me a corded mic. Uh, cordless is in my rider because it's easy. So anyway, apologize to New York City. I feel like I gave you a bad show because I was pissed. Um, Brooklyn was amazing. It always is. I don't think I'm going to play Manhattan anymore. I know that sounds crazy. But Manhattan has become New Jersey and Brooklyn is Manhattan and Philly is Brooklyn now. Does that make sense? That's what I think. <sighs> this is, I don't mean, you're so angry on this one. I would be quiet. Anyway, so this is Hillary. Oh, I lost it again. She's talking about what it's like being a woman growing up. I mean, the shit, and this is just a few examples. She's not going to write, the whole book wasn't about being a woman. It was just about what she does. So here's what she says. Oh, then she talks about being able to accept donations for politics without being swayed by them. And she talks a little bit about how Bernie Sanders had that bullshit talking point. So she said, even after all these years, it's hard for me to ask for other people's money. And she's a big supporter of campaign finance reform, which Bernard never talks about. It's hard to ask someone to host an event for you in their home or business. But until the day comes that campaign finance reform is signed into law and upheld by the Supreme Court, if you want to run a viable national campaign, there's no way around it. You're going to have to do some serious fundraising online, by phone, by mail and in person. I reject the idea that it's impossible to do it while maintaining your integrity and independence. Bernie Sanders attacked me for raising money from people who worked in finance. But I reminded him that President Obama had raised more money from Wall Street than anyone in history. And that didn't stop him from imposing tough new rules to curb risk and prevent future financial crashes. I would have done the same and my donors knew it. Yeah, that's what I want to get. Like, oh, Bernie just did it on $27 from everyone. Well, from all of us, the people who have no money? Not me, but you know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you get it from Wall Street? Like, that's what you should pay for, a progressive candidate's candidacy. That's what Wall Street's for. Yeah, give me all that money, assholes. Why am I going to make this kid with a part-time job pay 27 bucks? Well, why is that full of integrity? Fuck that. I want all the big corporations funding my campaign. McDonald's, whatever. And you know what I'll do on the campaign trail? I'll make fun of your fucking corporation. I'll make fun of your fucking corporation. All right. So she's talking about, you know, how she caught the wave of the women's movement and wasn't even thinking about it growing up. She's talking about how Obama and Clinton Bill have these amazing stories. Like my dad was Kenyan and I was raised by a single mom uh, and I went to Harvard and I'm black. And then Bill Clinton's story was like he saw his stepmom getting physically abused by the dad and he the single mom and he's poor and, you know, and Hillary was like, I was kind of middle class in world war two, you know, and I grew up in Chicago, like still not, you know, some rich bitch like Donald Trump is, but she was like, I never put an, a, an inspiring narrative on where I came from because to me it seemed just average and happy, but it dawned on her as she went through life, her narrative is being the first woman. And it's a narrative that America rejected. So when they'd be like, why isn't she inspiring? It's like, you're not letting her inspire. So I'm going to force you to listen to this. Um, I know that for a lot of people, including a lot of women, the movement for women's equality exists largely in the past. They're wrong about that. It's still happening, still as urgent and vital as ever. 
And it was and is the story of my life, mine and millions of other women's. We share it. We wrote it together. We're still writing it. And even though this sounds like bragging and bragging isn't something women are supposed to do, I haven't just been a participant in this revolution. I helped lead it. I caught the subtle use of the word revolution, baby. Good one. I was one of just 27 women out of 235 students in my class at Yale Law School. The first woman partner at the oldest law firm in Arkansas. The first woman to chair the national board of the Legal Services Corporation. The person who declared on the world stage that human rights are women's rights and women's rights are human rights. The first first lady to be elected to public office. The first woman senator from New York. In fact, for a few weeks, I was both. By the quirk of the calendar, I was sworn in before Bill left office. And I was the first woman to be nominated for president by her major political party and win the national popular vote. I'm still not inspired. I never figured out how to tell this story right. Partly that's because I'm not great at talking about myself. Also, I didn't want people to see me as the woman candidate, which I find limiting, but rather as the best candidate whose experience as a woman in a male-dominated culture made her sharper, tougher, and more competent. That's a hard distinction to draw, and I wasn't confident that I had the dexterity to pull it off. Is it self-deprecating enough for you assholes? But the biggest reason I shied away from embracing this narrative is that storytelling requires a receptive audience, and I've never felt like the American electorate was receptive to this one. I wish so badly we were a country where a candidate who said, my story is the story of a life shaped by and devoted to the movement for women's liberation would be cheered, not jeered. But that's not who we are. Not yet. And she talks about... Um... When I started out as an attorney, I would take cases in small rural courthouses in Arkansas and people would come to watch the lady lawyer. It was such a novelty. You could hear them commenting from the gallery on what I was wearing and how my hair looked. One time in the early 1980s, I was trying a case in Batesville, Arkansas, and in the middle of the trial, in walked six men in full camouflage. They came in and sat right behind the lawyers and just stared at me. As any woman who's experienced that kind of staring knows, it was truly unnerving. Afterward, the bailiff explained that it was deer season and these hunters had come into town from their camps for supplies. When they heard that a woman was trying a case in court, they had to see it for themselves. You people, this wasn't in 1701. You understand, Hillary Clinton's only 69 years old. This is 30, 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Hope she doesn't mind me reading her book. Is it copyright infringement? So that's my trip so far. Now, I'm loving the tour. Uh, my next dates are Minneapolis, Chicago, and Detroit. I haven't been to Detroit proper in a, God, a long time. I've only been playing Pontiac. Pontiac. Um, I'd like to do something right now for Laura. Um, I don't know if you've driven over that bridge yet. Um, you're the woman who was getting over her fear of driving. I'm going to give you a little... We're going to do something for Laura. We're going to help her get over that bridge. And you're going to play this. And I promise I'm not going to fuck with you. You can listen to it first before you go over the bridge. But we're just going to give you relaxing music. Hang on. Relaxing spa music.
No, let's do relaxing piano. All right, it's called New Age Relaxing Piano. Can you hear this, Alex? Okay. And can you hear me with the music? Yeah. Okay, Laura. <sighs> You're going to get in that car today. You're going to go over the bridge. You're not going over a bridge like it's some kind of catapult. You're actually rolling along as a bridge supports your every move in that car. Now, it might scare you to look at things that way, but think about this. You're a person on the earth. It's a big world, but you're not alone. We're all in the car with you. Think of all the people that you know would want you to cross that bridge. Think of all the people that know you can do it. And say their names out loud as you're crossing the bridge. Even people you don't know. I bet Hillary Clinton would want you to cross that bridge. I don't know if Bernie Sanders would. That's a corporate bridge. But don't worry about him right now. I want you to cross the bridge. Every I Seem Fun listener does. I bet Steven Tyler from Aerosmith would want you to cross the bridge. His name just came across my iTunes. I bet Alanis Morissette would want you to cross that bridge. You can tell I'm looking at the A's in my... You know who else would want you to cross that bridge? Robert fucking Mueller. Even though he's busy with his Russia case right now, he's like, if I could be there. And you might feel a little panicked. You might feel a little nervous, but it's just your body. You can always control your mind. It might be a little bit of an epic battle. Because your mind goes, ooh, I should listen to what the body's doing. I should think thoughts that go with how crazy the body feels right now. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Now, what's the worst that could happen on the bridge? You get stuck in traffic and you feel trapped? As crazy as it sounds, you could always walk out of your car and go knock on the window of the car next to you and go, I'm having a panic attack. But you're not even going to need to get that far. You worried about getting in an accident? Well, that's something you've got to work on in your own time. I mean, you, anyone can have an accident anytime, anywhere. And I don't think you want to spend every second of the day worrying about what kind of accident you could have. I mean, someone right now listening to the podcast could, could slip on a grape. They're not going to spend their life worrying about it. We just feel so out of control in these machines that we try to add some sense of control to it, but we're abandoning ourselves and we're making ourselves more out of control. We have no control ever. So relax. Get over that bridge. You don't have to love it. You don't even have to do it all the time. But you need to know that you can do it if you need to. And that bridge isn't going to scare you. Are you still naming people that want you to get over the bridge? I bet Martha Stewart wants you to get over that bridge. She's there with you, too. Everyone that came to my meet and greets is there with you. You know who's not there? The mother who let her child ride a scooter in a grocery store, because that mother doesn't know safety. Maybe you can think of fun things you're going to do later tonight. Do you have something prepared? A bath? Going to order a pizza? You're going to pick up a guy at a bar? No, whatever you're going to do later glass of wine maybe think of something you can do to reward yourself tonight like you have a little party for yourself for doing this and as you're driving over the bridge you're thinking about it your future tripping in a positive way <gasps> I'm gonna have a glass of wine and a red velvet cupcake and I'm gonna watch 15 minutes of Property Brothers before I get annoyed with their tight pants but I'm gonna have a great time and I'm going to be able to listen to this whenever I want to go over the bridge. 
because I'm allowed to tell myself any thoughts I want. I hear the ridiculous things Jen's saying, and I realize if I'm going to think ridiculous thoughts, let's think fun, ridiculous thoughts. <sighs> Good luck, Laura. See, we went from total cunt podcast to helping others. And that's what I seem fun is all about. We're being human. All right. Do you want to see if anyone tweeted me back? Is anyone on my side here about the fucking scooter? When I was growing up, my mother would take me to Calvert's. Do you know what Calvert's is? In Needham, Massachusetts. So where they, they make, they sell Carter's clothing. Not, not, not the Carter family, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Not that. But you get your white t-shirts. You get your undies. You get your little outfits. I used to eat raisins in the, in the cart and throw them on the ground. And guess what? When a raisin squishes, it gets slippery. People were falling because of me. Raisin thrower. And they actually made a sign. And it was in that old school cursive, a yellow sign with like kind of white writing, no raisins. And my mom and I saw that one day and she was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. My daughter is such a raisin menace that they had to make a sign. Who has a sign that says no raisins? It's so specific. But that's how often I was doing that because my mother had to give me raisins to keep me occupied in the store. Well, she had to come up with something different because it was inconveniencing others. And part of being a parent isn't being like, it's so hard. You know, shit, it's hard. What do you want, a cookie? It's about teaching your child to be part of the world and not get in anyone's way. So we had to stop eating raisins. And I'm sure my mother found another way to keep me occupied that didn't risk the lives of old ladies slipping on their easy spirits. The store told my mom if she's going to keep eating raisins, she can't come in. My mother wasn't like, you try parenting, it's hard. No one said parenting is easy. We said, I think you can tell a child not to eat raisins. In fact, all you do is don't hand them the raisins. They're not going to go get raisins on their own. You think this kid knows how to pick the lock to where you're hiding the scooter? What are you all victims of your kids? Stop this insane child worship, you psychos. My goodness. Anyway, I hope you'll all continue to enjoy I Seem Fun podcast. Let's end on some of that music and just just enjoy the time. Enjoy this week's episode. Oh my God, I forgot to do the ad. I'm going to record it separately and drop it in. Until next week, have fun.